Here we go. The John Curley Sherry Elliger Show. Starring Sherry Elliger and Florence Henderson. Hi, Dixie Chicken. Hi. L. Hi. How, it's for the way the way oh. at me. Yeah. Oh, it's for the only one I see. Napkin Cole. It's very, very. This is for you, Sherry. Oh, thank you. Be my Valentine. Will you be my Valentine? No. Okay. I didn't <laughs> <know>. <laughs> it's one way Valentine's tree here. Doesn't surprise me. <laughs> like the animals singing in the background with Neck and Cole. Neck and Cole, by the way, a studio musician, fabulous uh, pianist. And uh, somebody said, hey, you know, we need to record this thing. We just need somebody to lay down a vocal track on this. He wasn't a singer. But then somebody, wow, you got a great voice. And then on that King Cole and this beautiful voice of that King Cole. All right. Um, yeah, Valentine's Day. By the way, we'll talk about it. Do we have that in there, Jacob? Do you find that thing that you want to turn in your ex-lover? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good. All right. Something to do for Valentine's Day if you figure that your guy is somehow uh, running a... Uh, away from the law and your way your way of sort of you know just hey i love you by the way look for the police coming to your house we'll tell you what that's about plus um the valentine special will continue i will uh continue to play love songs for you sherry throughout the entire show and maybe at some point i will accept your valentine all right oh, well thank you just let me know I- i'll be here all night so uh you you just uh, <laughs> ring your little valentine bell and i'll uh, come a running <laughs> I think uh, is it is it teeny tiny? That's com- is it a competition between the two? It, of them? What, Jacob, 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 Jacob. I didn't want to bring it up, but it is a little <laughs> bit of that. So oh, right. you've already accepted what? a Valentine invitation. I have but one love to give. Okay. <laughs> I don't believe this. A quiet with the heart ones. All right. Uh, let's see. The, uh, there's a. King Five says that there's a proposal. The state would like to um, buy uh, every kid's uh, their school Hunger lunch. There is an issue in Washington, and State Representative Marcus Riccelli says the need could be better met in schools. There's too many students that do need it and too many students that are falling through the cracks. That's why he introduced House Bill 1238, which would provide breakfast and lunch to all requesting students without charge. Right now, I'm outside Concord Elementary School in Seattle, which is one of the more than 40 schools that already does receive free meals for all of the kids, but this could soon be the case for all schools in Washington? That's correct. Uh, the bill that I've introduced uh, really is looking to feed all kids, take feeding kids off the table. And Concord Elementary is just one of the 40 schools in the Seattle School District who qualify for all students to have free meals. In Everett, 18 of their 27 schools qualify, but Representative Riccelli believes all kids should have access to free nutritious food at school. Regardless of the zip code a child is born in, they deserve to uh, the opportunity to thrive and live a healthy Life. The Everett Public School Superintendent said in a statement, we would love to see this legislation pass because anytime we can guarantee healthy meals for our students, it is a good thing. What a wonderful service to be able to provide for every student with the nutrition they need to be ready to learn. Seattle Public School said it supports free meals for all students as well. Richelli also hopes this reduces the stigma and shame some students feel for receiving free lunch. The idea that they would 
be segregated from other students because uh, they're just trying to get a nutritious meal so they can stay healthy is ridiculous. This initiative does come with a $90 million per year price tag. The state would still receive federal money for qualifying students, but the state would be paying for the remaining funding. In comparison to the whole education budget, which is in the billions, um, I think this is one of the best things we can do to make sure all kids can thrive. Hmm, that's weird. I thought it was free. Why did they say $90 million? Well, $90 million in tax dollars. But they say it's free. I think what they're referring to is it is free in the sense that you don't have to exchange money at the cash register. So you don't have to pay for it at the time of receiving the lunch. However, there is a cost associated with it. Ah. Milton Friedman's most famous line? A tax? No, no. Uh, no, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, Start no, such thing as a free, no such thing as a free lunch. Oh, okay. I thought it was a tax is a something and a something is a something. And then, no, the business of business is business. But then also his <laughs> third most famous line is, wow, that's a beautiful tattoo you have of me on the back. <laughs> oh. Um, <laughs> Representative uh, Richelli is going to join us, right? Jacob at 430. We'll That's talk right. about this. Also, also, you know, if you have any questions uh, for the representative from District 3 there in Spokane, if you think it's a good idea or a bad idea to be able to have the taxpayers pay for a free lunch, I'm sorry, not free. If you think it's a good idea for you to pay $90 million uh, to feed kids, all kids, regardless of their ability to pay, you can always text us at one triple eight nine seven three five four. Seven six, and uh, maybe we'll get your question in there to the representative. It's your chance to, you know, talk to the people that are representing you. That's the idea. So Fox Populi at uh, is it four thirty? Four thirty is coming on. Okay, good. And also, you write us at mynorthwest.com. Either way, we do get a chance to hear what you think about that. Ninety million bucks is that good money spent um, to feed kids? The um, uh. By the way, Sherry, where are you on this? Do you, uh, you pro con okay with this idea? I'm, I'm, I am relatively okay with it. I think that it's unfair that, or it's, it's sad that there are any kid that, any kids that might go without food. That part worries uh-huh. me tremendously. However, they've are, they're already feeding 700,000 kids. They say about 400,000 more will qualify or can qualify. Um, mm-hmm. so I just wonder, if this is something for inclusion so nobody feels ostracized or if it really is something that they feel is needed because kids are going hungry. Is this uh-huh. just so the kids that are included in the program already don't feel bad because they can't afford it, so let's just mm. give it to everybody? Or is it because they feel there are kids that either fall through the cracks or are just on the line there and they may not get a proper meal you know, brought to school because of their situation. Yeah. So right. that's that's. I mean, I, I'd I'd like to know if he has the numbers on on that or what the what okay. the philosophy is behind it. That's good. Those are good questions. You know. By the way, the uh, so when a school says we have this amount of kids that are living on you know free and reduced lunch, then the federal government takes that number and sends money to the school, and the money goes to the school. So the money doesn't have to be spent necessarily. I last time I checked, doesn't have to be spent necessarily on nutrition. It could be spent in any way. So they use that as an incentive to be able to tap the federal government, which is just basically all of our dollars collectively, um, 
and then you get it. So you certainly want to encourage as many kids as possible, their parents, to fill out the form to ask for free and reduced lunch so the school can get more money. So that's uh, one way to get it. There's a state, I forget which school it was, it might be the state of Missouri, I forget which school district it was, that was giving you a $10 Target gift card. And apparently these are the kind of gift cards that when you use them, there's actually something on them. Uh, that if you signed up and said that your kid needed free reduced lunch, they would give you a $10 gift card. So the incentive was fill this form out. Even if you don't take the free money or the free lunch, we'll get more money for our school. Are you suspicious that that, that is the motivation behind this, that the schools, because the schools no, no, will no. be more, more funded and that's why they're doing it? Or is it that you feel that the cost, since there's no means test for this or there's no... You know, people people can get a free lunch no matter if they're millionaires. They the kid can get a free lunch. Is that the problem that you feel you know needs to needs to be resolved here? That why is it that these wealthy children are getting a free lunch when it's not necessary? Well, if we're saying it, because when you see what they say, it's it's about the stigma. So we're going to spend ninety million dollars to reduce stigma. We spend ninety million dollars so kids don't get bullied. Well, then you could, could you think of maybe possibly spending that some other way? 11% of kids in the state of Washington live below the poverty line. There's 1.7 million kids that are in the school. So then you say, okay, it's, uh, 10, 10, it's, uh, like 10,000, whatever the percentage would be, so 10 of the million, then 10,000, 10 million. So you say, okay, well, then what we could do is we could take that money, we could feed those kids, get the federal dollars in there as well, and then the additional money, if you want to spend some money as well, you maybe you could start some sort of program towards uh, reducing the stigma and the bullying because that seems to be the big thing. Let's feed everybody that, so that nobody feels bad. Um, anyway, but uh, just... Sort of kicking around some ideas. Look forward to talking to the representative. He has other good bills that he is backing, so would be I'd give him some credit for that. But um, on this one, I'm a little hesitant. Um, and if you decide to opt out, what if you decide to opt out? Say, no, you know what? I'll tell you what. I'll take my $54 a year because that's what it would be. About $54 you divided over the 1.7 million kids. So then parents um, that don't want to get the free lunch from the school, you send them the 54 bucks so that they can then buy their lunches at home um the idea of the government providing all of this for everybody i always feel that you know it's probably the slippery slope when they start to provide you with lunch and then they provide you with other things they provide you with much as you possibly can there's a sense of dependency that uh, is developed and as my dad used to say he used to know it in latin i don't remember how it is in latin but the translation is he with free seats is first to hiss that if you're not paying for something, you tend to not really regard it with much value, right? It's the bike that somebody gave you is the one that's in the rain. The one that you earned is the one that doesn't get rusty. But again, the idea that the government will provide these things for you, for all of you, will give you everything you possibly need. We'll give you, you know, the idea that housing is a right and uh, medical is a right and food is a right, is clothes a right, our cars a right. Where is the right end? I watched an incredible speech by Roosevelt talking about the rights that you have. We're too wealthy as a nation for anyone to suffer any sort of poverty. So we'll provide you with homes. We'll provide you with this and this and this and this. The government will provide you with all of these things. And what lessons do you learn as an individual when all of a sudden the government is doing all of it? Where, At what point are you responsible for your own behavior? And I think also there's a moral bond that's broken between a parent and a child. 
when the kid doesn't see the mom or dad make the lunch, doesn't see the mom or dad go to the grocery store, see mom and dad come home from work and take some of that money that they earned by getting up early, going to work, and then buying the food and then putting the food in the bag or putting the food before the child. There's a relationship between the work of the parent and the child being fed by the parent's work. There is a bond that is created there and that is passed on from generation to generation. I think when you break that, I think you do a great disservice uh, to the structure of the American family. But who am I? Just some guy eating Triscuits. By the way, Sherry. Uh oh. How many do you have? Are, do you just buy like a case, or where are you? I wait that for the government. Box? I get the. I'm on a oh, government okay. handout thing. Triscuits, <laughs> the original version. Yeah, okay. got it. Uh, uh, more free stuff coming from the government is going to be the fact that uh, Jason Rance has this story. Looked into it. They want to be able to do something about the drugs and all the other stuff. So now the state is going to have. Um, Democratic fix for the Washington drug crisis is, according to Rance, is to give kids syringes, pipes, and other drugs, paraphernalia. Um, it's set up in this work group to explore the legal supplying of drugs to addicts uh, that would turn the government into the largest drug dealer. That from Rance at uh, KTTH. Did you get a chance to read uh, Rance's piece? Yes. Yeah, so this is ASB 5536. And remember, the Washington State Supreme Court uh, said it was unconstitutional to make uh, drug paraphernalia or drugs uh, a felony. So mm-hmm. now they realize that because they decriminalized everything, the overdose rate is out of control. So mm-hmm. what they're trying to do with this particular bill is they're trying to walk that back a little bit. So drug possession is a gross misdemeanor. You'd get jail for 364 days possibly $5,000 fine or both. But if you get treatment, no jail time. So that's one part of it. Then the other part of it is creating something called, John, a health engagement hub. Mm-hmm. And this would be an area where both adults and youth could go get syringes, crack pipes, um, smoking equipment, anything that they might need to engage in their drug use in a safe manner. Yeah. How's that for the, an ironic statement? Um, and then the other thing is they want to do this safe supply work group, which would evaluate um, how providing drugs, I guess, would um, would help. So it would be hubs might be, um, you know, there and then they might also include some kind of of uh, drug paraphernalia or drug actual drugs. So people would be able to not have to overdose. So they would test it for fentanyl. They would test it for all kinds of things. And this is just a work group, remember. So the group is meant to evaluate potential models for safe supply services and make recommendations on the inclusion of a safe supply framework in the Washington State Substance Use Recovery Services Plan to provide a regulated, Mm -hmm. tested supply of controlled substances to individuals at risk of drug overdose. So that would mean that if they felt like you might be overdosing on, you know, if you're using heroin and it could have fentanyl in it, they would test it, they would or they would provide you, I guess, with the supply of drugs that you would need knowing that they were safe and you wouldn't you wouldn't die from them. Yeah. Well, just look at Vancouver. So Vancouver in 1997 started this idea that they're going to be even earlier than that that you know they're going to make it easier to be able to um, shoot drugs, to do drugs, and reduce over overdose by having people go to these clinics 
And I looked up to see how it's going in Vancouver. So deaths from opioids, heroin, meth, cocaine, and other street drugs have been soaring. What? In British Columbia for more than a decade. They went from, um, they're up to 1.8 thousand so far, 2022, went down a little bit. So they haven't done anything to reduce it. People just continue to do more drugs. They go to the place. They do the drugs. They don't go in there. They don't get any help. But um, they'll hand out the stuff that you need in order to do the drugs. I say go ahead and do it. Pass this, everybody. You'll see what you get out of it. All right. <clears throat> Trevor, get your Valentine's Day gift, Sherry? I, uh, not yet. He is. Uh, he is not. We'll be home checking the- him throughout the entire show. <laughs> okay, he's not home. He's not home. So whenever he gets home, I'm. I will. Be Andrew, late. mark the time. No gift from Trevor to Sherry. Mark the time. Twenty-three. Thank you. Shaboom to you, Sherry. Shaboom, shaboom. Shaboom to you. Back at you. Shaboom to you, too, Jacob. Oh, thank you. I went to an all-boys school, and it was an awkward day on Valentine's Day, and the nuns insisted we give each other Valentine's. It was weird. Those little the little ones you you pull out from perforated things, like a little a dog, like a Doberman, like a little a Dalmatian or something, and... So you didn't get to do the thing where you could order a rose or a carnation. It was really a carnation. Um, and they'd knock on the door in your social studies class, and somebody would deliver, like, carnations to certain girls from certain guys. Uh, y- yes, we had that. And then you, then when someone would knock on the door of the stall you were in, and they'd beat the hell out of you. No. Okay, Sherry, it's an all-boys school. <laughs> I'm just trying to show you what you missed out on. That's all. Shaboom to you, Sherry, again. All right, shaboom to you. Yeah, I can't tell it's good or bad. I don't think. Shaboom. Shaboom. All right. Andrew ignored my... I sent you some other bumper music for this Valentine's Day. Andrew, you they're going to work those into the rotation, as they say? Uh, Yeah, I'll, I'll, I haven't seen those messages. No, no, no. no, no, no shaboom yourself. Uh, and Andrew, okay. shaboom yourself. And, I'll myself and, into the book. Yeah, Andrew, if there are any profanities, any of, any, any of John's suggestions, just replace them with shabooms. Shaboom, shaboom. Okay. There's nothing that you'll like them. All right. So the, uh, the city's got some problems. Um, the fact that, um, well, San Francisco, I saw the San Francisco, um, has decided, you know what? Look, it's not coming back. They're gone. They're gone. The shaboom, shaboom. They're out. They're not going to come back. Um, the city needs to sort of reinvent itself in order to survive. So, um, the uh, mayor was talking about uh, Mayor London Breed said, "Well, here's here's our plan. We must accept another tough bat. San Francisco downtown, as we know it, is not coming back. And you know what? That's okay. Empty office buildings have fueled dire predictions about economic doom and screaming headlines about the death of downtown." We have our challenges, but that doesn't mean it's the end of downtown. Like the Niantic, it's a call to action, to reimagine what our future holds, what we can be, to think about what kind of city we are and what kind of city we can be. 
I guess it sounds like the mayor is speaking from a secure bunker somewhere to avoid the crime <laughs> that is throughout the entire city of San Francisco. So how are they going to reimagine it? Well, they did a study, John, called the death of downtown. And what they did was mm-hmm. they ranked the recovery and how certain cities have recovered. Uh, yeah. Last on the list is San Francisco. They've only recovered at about 31 percent. Second to last is Portland, 37 percent. And mm-hmm. fifth to last is Seattle. And that's only uh-huh. recovered about 44 percent. So what they're finding is when you have a place like Vegas and that's recovered at about 79 percent, what you find is a lot of social activities, food, mm-hmm. arts, things like that, instead of just the central area being all about work and offices and workers going to lunch, you have to make it more attractive. You have to now, as she said, is an overused word, reimagine the downtown Mm -hmm. area as a place for lots of people to go to do lots of other things other than just work. And that in is what they're saying might be the key to recovery in in a lot of these cities. Now, what are you going to do with all that excessive Empty office space, eh, there's a few things you could do. There's some suggestions uh-huh. about maybe the city could buy it up and then rent it out to certain places. Um, that remains a, a, a problem, but it seems like that what they're trying to say is you need to offer more activities, more things to do in downtown other than work. Yeah, right. So they think, okay, what we'll do is we'll be, lo- we'll be like Las Vegas, that people will come here to participate, not in the business, but they'll come in and spend tourist dollars in San Francisco. Um, the difference being 32 million people go to Las Vegas every single year, and they go for a specific reason. They go to gamble, to party. That's why they're going to Vegas, um, because they've got the casinos. San Francisco doesn't have that structure. Uh, the most telling piece from the Wall Street Journal regarding this sort of transition, this reimagining, 70% of the revenue that the San Francisco needs in order to run the San Francisco budget comes from businesses, sales tax. So you look at the same thing, because the reason we're talking about this, we're very similar to San Francisco. You said we're fifth on the list. So Seattle is going to have to deal with the same sort of thing. I think Danny Westing wrote a piece about it. You know, what are we supposed to do? Empty office buildings, people are not coming downtown for a number of reasons. One, they're not working downtown anymore. Plus, you're not going to get people to come downtown to have their car broken into or for themselves to be hit over the head with a pipe. So as long as you have disorder in the streets, you don't have the police to enforce, you let criminals back out again, who wants to go downtown to Seattle, get in the car, drive down to Seattle in order to spend money to try to replace the revenue that's been lost by the businesses that are pulling out? So I saw in 2022, 160 businesses left. One of the primary reasons they did leave was because of crime. Um, same thing, GeekWire has the piece about Amazon, Amazon leaving as well because of crime. So you have a crime, uh, uh, you have criminals on the streets. You're not going to have people spending money on the streets. Las Vegas is interesting. You've been there. There's cops everywhere because they know they don't want the tourists to get ripped off because if the tourist gets ripped off that's their main bread and butter it's like when you go to mexico mexico you go into those uh, all-inclusive places those criminals are outside on the other side they don't want the tourists being killed because that hurts the entire economy of mexico for this for london breeze the mayor of san francisco saying oh we're going to become like this hub of of arts and entertainment and people are going to come to see come into san francisco for those reasons good luck really you'll never get enough people to do that
Well, San Francisco used to be um, a, a fantastic place to go to not just work, but to visit. It was a wonderful place to visit. Uh, restaurants and lots of things to do and culture and all of that. Crime has as much to do with this, like you said, as anything uh, related to the pandemic. People don't want to go there anymore. There's too much bad press about it. And if you compare things to Vegas, well, Vegas has established itself as a as an entertainment and kind of debauchery hub for, yeah. for decades. This is going to take a very, very long time to rebuild in a in a different way for all of these cities. That's just the way it's going to be. That's their new that's their new motto for tourism and marketing. The debauchery city. We've been doing it for years. (laughs) Trust us. We we know it the best. (laughs) We do. But if if it goes on in Las Vegas, stays in Las Vegas. Unless you can get a prescription for that. Right. don't don't rash. do debauchery at a, at a you know at an amateur city. Do it with us. We know what yeah, we're doing. Yeah, we know what we're doing. Right. <clears throat> They'll be at your room in fifteen minutes. Those are the cards those guys hand uh-huh. out. Uh-huh. Is that what you read? <laughs> well, those guys that hand out the cards, those little uh-huh. like guys from South America, okay. they're, they're not yeah, allowed yeah, to speak. Yeah. It's really fascinating. They're not allowed to talk. They can't solicit you, but they can slap the cards against their hands. Those little like tray plating car playing cards. Uh-huh. With the girls on there, that'll be at your room in 15 minutes. Yeah. I used to collect, when I was there with friends, we used to collect all the cards we could. Then we had them like baseball cards, and we would trade them, swap them, you know. Did you time how quick they got there? <laughs> I was always like, really? 15 minutes? Who's coming to your Who's coming to your, your gross hotel in 15 minutes? I was never part of that debauchery, Sherry. Okay. Just check. <clears throat> it's Valentine's Day after all. You boop yourself, Okay. <laughs> I'm doing it right now. All right, fine. Muskrat, muskrat, candlelight. There you go, sure. In the town and doing it right in the evening. Yep. It's pretty pleasing. Two muskrats sitting next to you at a fine dining establishment. <laughs> Maybe they go to that Italian place that doesn't like kids. <laughs> it's pasta. Muskrats like pasta. Sam is so skinny. Sam is so skinny. And they twirl and they tango. Imagine that. You're out taking your wife out to dinner and look over next to you and there's... Some skinny muskrat, <laughs> shimmy and tangoing, twirling and twirling. Shabooming. Shabooming. It's a big night like for the muskrat. muskrat love. And then you just, you would judge your, like you look over at your wife or your husband and you're like, God, those muskrats really love each other compared to us. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's going to propose to her. Oh. <laughs> She said yes. Muskrat oh, kisses. They are, by the way, it's Catholics, pigeons, and muskrats. A date or, uh, are the only monogamous species on the earth. So Is that right? That oh. <laughs> the um, speaking of monogamy, there's an actor who I've never heard of before and probably will never see his work, but apparently he's got a problem. Uh, he's in this show called Huh? What is the name of the show? You. You. What's the name of it? You. You what? Why are you? You. 
Yeah, what about me? <laughs> okay, who's on first? You. Okay. Uh, he has a lot of love scenes in these in this show, and he has decided that it's not good for his marriage. Even though he's not, you know, romantically involved with the actress that he's involved with on scene, on, you know, screen, it, it, it's, it's just not healthy for him. How does he describe the, the discomfort? Sherry. He says, uh, fidelity in every relationship, including my marriage, is important to me. It's got to the point where I don't want to do that. So he asked the director. He said, uh, listen, I, I don't want to do that anymore. Can we, uh, he said he wanted to go from 100 to zero in the next season. And he said she was really glad that I was that honest. She was sort of almost, I want to say, empowered. She had a really positive response. They came back with a phenomenal reduction. I don't think they eliminated all the scenes, but they did reduce some of them. He says that his wife is a truly radiant soul. You encourage others to be honest and brave and gentle and expansive. Your great capacity for empathy is obvious, something anyone can get warm by like a glowing stove. Hmm. Wait, who's the glowing stove? His wife. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I I would assume that just, you know, doing those scenes, then going back home and your wife, and he just wants to eliminate. What did the director say? Do they go along with the idea? Yes, the director was very supportive. It's a female director, and she's uh-huh. like, that's fine. I get it. And she, he just he just said, this is too important to me. I don't, I don't want to do it. I'm always a little suspicious when these actors come out and say that and make it public because doesn't he look like, the great guy now. I mean, every woman in the, in America is like, wow, he would really give up being able to make out with some other woman and get paid for it because of his <laughs> wife. I'm not buying that for a second. So why not? Well, maybe. You're so jaded. But, How no, long have you just, known me? Well, I think my jade is is rubbing off on you. Maybe. Do you do you believe it? And now he's, of course, trading on it for publicity and everything else. Maybe they just decided we don't really want to have that many sex scenes anymore with you. And he used it as a way to say, "Okay, well, you know what? That's good because I like fidelity. So we're all on the same page now. I I would imagine, you know, it probably sort of bothers you a little bit. You're there. You're shooting a bunch of sex scenes and then. You know, you has a, you have a reaction, but then you go home and you're like, you know, you're comparing some weight, some some actress to you to your wife, who's apparently like a wood burning stove or something. So it's different. I don't know. Now, you know who it bothers is the wife. So absolutely see, in the picture, you don't see her the gun to his head saying all this. I mean, she's probably tired of it too, and maybe he's saying, "All right, we'll compromise. I will." Reduce the sex scenes, but I get to take credit for it. There you go. That that works. Yes, muskrats do mate for life. By the way, I just looked it up, and then I now I'm watching video of muskrat, male and female pairing off. How's that tango? They're at a French restaurant somewhere in New York. It looks like. Yeah. All right. Uh, let me see. One of the business is the deep teas. I'm looking ahead. Let's see. Four o'clock. You ready? Uh, Tacoma schools want to move away from the controversial name. Uh huh. Plus, also, we'll get a chance to talk to our representative from the District 3 there in Spokane about uh, you buying every kid in the state of Washington lunch.